The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good morning, all. It's very nice to be here, see some faces that I haven't seen for a long time, and uh, be with you all. So I thought this morning I would talk about integrity. Integrity is very important in our Dharma practice. What I mean by integrity is honesty, excellence, not being deluded, truthfulness. And we know truthfulness is not only one of the precepts, but also one of the paramis, one of the perfections. Truthfulness to ourselves as well as to others. If we're not first truthful with ourselves, we can't really be truthful with anyone else, can we? And when we speak of truthfulness, I mean the whole truth, not just partial, but the whole truth and nothing but the truth. No omissions, no sidestepping. Full truthfulness, full honesty. And being open-minded enough to be willing to change when we get new information. That can take courage. Certainly it takes mindfulness, awareness, not being so attached to how we think things should be or how we interpret them to be. When I speak of or think of the whole truth, I can't help but think of the Trayvon Martin Zimmerman case in Florida where it's been so easy for each side, right, to, to hear something and jump to a conclusion and then hear something else and jump to the opposite conclusion. And it seems there's just more and more information being released, coming out. So I find it's really important that I stay open, that I not draw any conclusions, but stay open to the information as it comes. And perhaps one day we'll have the whole picture. Maybe not. Who knows? But at least uh, for now, to stay open and not become rigid in what I'm thinking about what actually happened. I don't know. I can't know. So I will say probably several times, being fully with integrity Being fully honest and truthful takes courage, sometimes enormous courage. And it takes mindfulness. It takes being really aware and alert and open to the truth of things, to how things are. Being dedicated to the truth. and not allowing ourselves to get away with what we like to call little white lies or little untruths. 
being dedicated to the truth, both large and small. Sometimes, you know, we might think it's easy to be truthful in general, but then we're not paying attention to the little untruths that might be happening. Sometimes that may be through omission. It may not be that we're actually telling an untruth, but we allow something to stand or an impression to be held that isn't entirely true. Sometimes we can't help it, of course. Sometimes people have ideas or impressions of us that that, um, are theirs. But when we knowingly allow someone to hold an idea, a thought about us or about something that we know is not true, then that's an untruth by omission. So being careful of the omissions, the sidestepping as well. Jack Cornfield suggested being so dedicated to the truth that even if our lives depended on it, we would stay with the truth. We would not wander away from the truth, even when faced with the possibility of death. That takes, I think, enormous courage. And I ask myself, would I? I think it's very hard to answer. Maybe I would, hopefully I would, uh, but maybe not. Certainly there have been times in my life that I have not been 100% honest, or I have not allowed the full truth. And I can imagine, if my life were on the line, would I do that? I don't know. But I think that suggests why we practice. (laughs) We practice so that when faced with something like that, we could do it without practicing integrity or virtuousness all the time, every step of the way, then faced with something huge, it wouldn't be an automatic response. It wouldn't be, in fact, the automatic response might be the opposite, to allow an untruth to stand. To know the truth, we must live the truth. Sometimes it's only in the living, the living of the truth, moment by moment, that we come to see the truth clearly. And this means following the Dharma with passion, with ardency, and with our clear intent. We must remember to judge only ourselves, not someone else. We can never know what is in the heart of someone else, and it's not for us to judge anyway. But we can really scrutinize ourselves. We can be very aware of our own integrity or lack thereof. And we can remember that when we live in integrity, There's nothing to fear. We are protected by our integrity, protected by the precepts. So the dictionary definition of integrity uh, is in three parts. And the first is the state or quality of being complete, 
undivided or unbroken entirety. So the other day I was sitting outside going over my notes for this and a neighbor came by walking his dog. And so he said, what are you doing? And I told him, what's the topic? And I told him, hmm. And he walked away and he came back a few minutes later with his dog. He'd obviously been thinking about it. And I know him, but not well. He must be a mathematician or he knows something about math because his comment was, um, he, was he must have been sort of free associating and he was saying, uh, integer in math means one, whole. And then he went on to integral, integrated. It's kind of fun to to play with the word and see where it goes. But that sense of, of wholeness, of being complete. And I read just this morning in my daily reading, a whole person is a holy person. She is vitally alive without clinging to life or trying to force a particular outcome. She is present and able to respond to whatever situation this earthly life offers. That's interesting, isn't it? A whole... Do I get it? (laughs) Backwards. A whole person is a holy person. Then from the dictionary, the second is an unimpaired state, soundness, purity. And the third is moral soundness, honesty, uprightness. So wholeness. For me, wholeness means living from the inside out allowing the Tao to live me, to live through me. That means we must know ourselves well. So we know when we are integrity, in integrity, and when we are not. Sometimes we can fool ourselves. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes not intentionally. Sometimes we're disconnected from ourselves and therefore don't know. Sometimes the need to enhance ourselves, to feel good, to um, feed the ego is quite strong. And when it is, we may inadvertently or intentionally act out of, not out of, integrity. When we try to be what we are not, or when we try to be what we think someone or someones want us to be, we're not being true to ourselves. We're not in integrity in that case. And when we're not true to ourselves, when we're not who 
we truly are. That can be an affront to nature, an affront to our natural, our Buddha nature, we could say, our true nature. Sometimes some of us have been taught to be somebody rather than being who we are. The idea can be given to us that it's not okay to just be who we are. Somehow I learned growing up, or maybe I should say I didn't learn, to just be who I was. And so I can remember constantly picking out people to emulate. I should be like that. I should be like that. And I didn't know it at the time, of course. But looking back, I was, for a lot of my growing up, I was not being who I was. I was being what I thought I should be. I was being what I thought somebody else thought I should be. I was, at times, kind of like a chameleon being what I thought fit the situation, not being who I was. And fortunately, spiritual practice, particularly meditation, helps, allows us to get in touch with who we really are and to have the courage and the wisdom, really, to, to really be who we are, to live from the inside out. When we live with integrity... We really are who we are. We are what our intent is, what our beliefs are, who we truly are. Sometimes it becomes necessary to make a choice between fame and living with integrity or between riches, between making money and living with integrity, or being liked and living with integrity. And sometimes those aren't necessarily easy choices to make. It's important then for us to remember that the choice in the short term may not be the best for the long term. And we practice to make choices for the long term. Just like the Buddha suggested, if we knew the greater happiness that something would bring us, we would not be so quick to settle for the short-term happiness. So being aware of what will bring happiness, what will bring contentment, peace of mind in the long run, can guide us in these short-term decisions. But all of us, no matter how well-intentioned, can make mistakes, can say things, can do things that we don't really want to do, that don't match our intentions. So a few months ago, I had this happen with guilt. I don't remember all the details, but in a conversation with someone, I said something very reactively, very offhandedly, and it sounded very disparaging. It was something like, well, that's where Gil and I disagree. 
Now, on the surface, you know, there's nothing wrong with those words. Gil and I can disagree. But obviously, the way I said it, my tone was very unkind, very disrespectful, actually. And I think I knew it right away. But it sort of festered inside. And one day, I don't remember exactly, a couple days, three days later, probably meditating, (laughs) it just bubbled up that I needed to apologize, that I felt awful about what I had said. You know, I love Gil. I respect him highly. It is certainly not my intent to speak to anyone with disrespect. And so I emailed him, told him what I had done, told him uh, how I felt about it, that it was never my intention to be disrespectful. Disagree is one thing, but disrespectful is something else. And made my apology and suggested that it was my intent never ever to do that again. And by doing that, I felt back in integrity. Of course, Gil was very gracious. But you know, it almost didn't matter what he said. What was important was that I acknowledged, and acknowledged to him, not to somebody else, but to him, what I had said and how I felt about it. And then I felt back in integrity. And I say that, and I want to underscore it, because we all do make mistakes. We can't expect ourselves to be perfect. Being perfect is not what it's about. Being honest and being alert and awake and in touch with ourselves enough to know when something doesn't feel right and we need to do something about it. That's what we need to do. That's our practice. Jack Cornfield suggests that we can't be fully human without integrity. It's an interesting comment, isn't it? Without integrity, we lose our freedom. We are not really free. We are owned by those to whom we tell lies. And we're slaves to the lies we tell. We all know that, right? We tell a lie, then we have to cover, we have to continue it, we have to remember who we've told and who we haven't. We're not free. So being out of integrity means we are not free. Jack also talks about inner and outer conscience. And he says it's our inner conscience that lets us know when something is not okay, when our behavior will lead to more suffering. And our outer conscience lets us know when our behavior will look harmful or incorrect to others. So our conscience knows the truth. That's its job. It knows when we are acting with integrity and when we are not. We can let our conscience be our guide if we are awake and pay attention to our conscience. When we act with integrity, then we help to alleviate the suffering. 
We don't create more suffering for ourselves or to anyone else. When we act in harmful ways, we harm not only ourselves, but we harm others as well. Integrity is essential for mental health. We probably all know that intuitively. If we're acting without integrity, there will be guilt, there will be fear, there will be a lot of unhappiness and discomfort. We won't be able to be spontaneous and genuine and open. In Jack's book, The Wise Heart, he tells what I think is a very interesting story. He says, in caring for ourselves and others, integrity is essential. Years ago, I read of a study that was done at a rural Illinois state mental hospital. The hospital was out in the farm, uh, farmlands, just off a tollway. The exit to the hospital had an unmanned machine to collect 50 cents from each car, but not everyone paid. A psychologist who worked at the hospital began to wonder about this. He set up a hidden camera to record who paid and who didn't. Then he looked at the hospital record of healed and discharged patients. He discovered that the patients of those doctors and therapists who paid their tolls got better more quickly (laughs) than the patients of those who did not pay. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? It is as if we who are healers somehow communicate our integrity and it gives strength to those we work with as well. Interesting, isn't it? (laughs) Certainly um, uh, gives incentive for us to practice integrity uh, even when we're not being watched, perhaps, (laughs) or don't know that we are. So, the Buddha talked about integrity in a few different suttas. And I'll, I'll just um, quickly summarize them. The first is in the Majjhima Nikaya, number 110, where he questions the monks. And he begins with the negative first, as he so often does. He says, monks, would a person without integrity recognize a person without integrity? And the monks act, no. Would a person without integrity recognize a person with integrity? No. So if a person doesn't have integrity, then he doesn't know what he's looking for. Then he reverses it and says, would a person with integrity recognize a person with integrity? Yes, sir, yes. Would a person with integrity recognize a person without integrity? Yes, yes. 
So he goes on to say, a person of integrity is endowed with conviction, conscience, concern. He is learned with aroused persistence. Unmuddled mindfulness, I like that term, unmuddled mindfulness, and good discernment. On breakup of the body, this person will find greatness among the devas or among human beings. A person of no integrity, thus endowed with qualities of no integrity in his friendships, in the way he wills, the way he gives advice, the way he speaks, the way he acts, the views he holds, and the way he gives a gift. On the breakup of the body after death, reappears in the destination of people of no integrity, i.e., a hell realm or the animal realm. And in 113, he says, a person with no integrity exalts himself for being from a high-ranking family and disparages others. But a person with integrity realizes it's not his family, but his practicing of the Dharma that puts an end to greed, ill will, and delusion. And he goes on to speak of several other um, states or conditions. Would a person without integrity, um, if he was well-known and highly regarded, he would tout that. And uh, a person with integrity would not. One who gains the requisites of a comfortable life. One who is learned, a master of the Vinaya, a Dharma speaker. A wilderness dweller. One who exists on one meal a day. Or one who has high attainment in the jhanas. One without integrity uses any attainment or accomplishment for his own ego enhancement, while one with integrity plays down his own accomplishments or recognizes it is not he himself but the practice of the Dharma that leads to these attainments. In the Anguttara Nikaya, he talks about one with integrity has gratitude and thankfulness, while one without integrity is ungrateful and unthankful. And in another place, he says, one without integrity, when asked, speaks of another's bad points, but doesn't reveal another's good points or even when not asked, speaks of another's bad points, but doesn't reveal another's good points. He does not reveal his own bad points or inadequacies, but he reveals in full measure his own good points. And of course, he suggests that a person with integrity does the opposite does not speak of his own good points, even when asked. 
and certainly not when not asked, but does speak of his own bad points when asked or even when not asked. And then he speaks about gifts. These five are a person of integrity's gifts. Which five? A person of integrity gives a gift with a sense of conviction. A person of integrity gives a gift attentively. A person of integrity gives a gift in season. A person of integrity gives a gift with an empathetic heart. A person of integrity gives a gift without adversely affecting himself or others. So we see it is not so much the gift itself, but how it's given, the spirit in which it's given. And I I thought that was interesting, the last part. A person of integrity gives a gift without adversely affecting himself or someone else. So we don't just mindlessly give. Sometimes it seems, I've had friends that just have to give. And no matter if I've asked them not to, they still find it necessary to give. And I think this is not the true spirit of giving. But if we keep all these things in mind, that's truly giving a gift. So the foundation of integrity is virtue. Virtue and integrity are necessary for genuine happiness. We cannot really be happy if we are not virtuous and living with integrity. When we tell the truth, we establish the ground for awakening. The Buddha's truthfulness carried him all the way to freedom and enlightenment. It's said that in the Jataka tales, the tales of the Buddha's past lives, he made mistakes. He made many mistakes as he was developing his own perfection. But the one thing he didn't do, and maybe you've heard this, is he didn't tell a lie. He never lied about what he had done. And this truthfulness is what carried him, even through very difficult times, all the way to his own awakening. Ajahn Chah said, look after your virtue as a gardener looks after his plants. Don't make a difference between big and small. Don't make excuses. It's a good one to remember, isn't it? Don't make excuses. It's easy to make excuses. Who will know? You will. You will. That's a good thing to remember. It's tempting sometimes to do something when nobody will know, nobody's around. My sister-in-law said last night, integrity? Oh, that's what you do when no one's around. (laughs) Yeah. But we will know. 
we know when we've done something out of integrity. And we all know that stays with us. We remember that. Probably better sometimes than the virtuous things we've done. So the end does not justify unvirtuous means. The means are the path. Every step of the path. And I'll close with just a, uh, a simple reminder that Jack talks about in his book that, remember the Chernobyl incident back in what, 88? 80, whatever, in the 80s? 86, yeah. Um, when the government tried to cover the, the extent of the disaster and the extent of the leakage of radiation, but the wind told the truth. That's quite an image, isn't it? Yeah, the wind told the truth. So we have about five minutes um, for a little discussion. Are there comments? Yes. As you were talking, I was thinking about um, right speech. And um, I know Gil gave a talk a while ago about all the elements of right speech, which I'm not going to remember all of them. (laughs) First is truthfulness. (laughs) And then, uh, this way. and then, um, going on beyond that is—is is it helpful? Um, and is the person ready to Here. receive what right. it is that you have to say? Yes. And um, to me, um, as you were talking about truth, it seemed like um, there's also a part of integrity that involves the second two that I just talked about. Is it helpful? Is the person ready to receive um, what you have to say? So it seems like there's a real mindfulness element and a real awareness element in integrity also. And I wonder if you'd speak to that. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. There definitely is. And I think there's a difference between speaking something and not allowing a false impression or a false idea of something. Sometimes when we're confronted with a direct question that um, it seems like the truth would not be helpful, it can be a real quandary. Many of us have talked about this many times. What do we say? And, uh, of course, taking into account compassion and not wanting to do harm, sometimes the best thing is to is to change the, the um, trajectory of the conversation, to find something that we can speak truthfully about without actually um, confronting someone or saying something that would not be well taken. I think when we're considering someone's feelings, and what's in the best interest of someone else, to not 
speak the entire truth can be living with integrity. I, I think the problem is when we allow someone to, to go away with an understanding, either about ourselves or about an idea, that is not true and we know it and we let it stand, that's when we're out of integrity. Yeah. Does that speak to it? Yeah, there are always those, <laughs> those places. And, and then I think you're absolutely right that our mindfulness and our consideration for others is, is so important, not harming. Yeah. Yes. Hi. Uh, thank you. So thank you very much for that <coughs> insightful talk. Extending a little bit the comment that was just made, I have trouble with two things. <coughs> One is the image of integrity as essentially finding um, your true self. I think that there can be a, um, a tendency to get caught up in a metaphor of that's one thing. And I think in reality, people are a lot of things simultaneously. And a lot of those things are truly in conflict. And integrity is more about finding the harmony and balance at any given time among those things. So it's not a static thing. And on the, on the equation of integrity and truthfulness, Again, that, that made me a little uncomfortable, and I was put in mind of a couple of experiences I've just had reading and watching. I happened to see a, a movie called Into Darkness recently, which is about a, a sewer worker in World War II in Poland who hides a group of Jews for 14 months. And in order to do this and carry this out, he has to lie extensively to many people. He has to conceal things from his family and lie to them, and ultimately he essentially compels them to lie on his behalf. But it's obvious that he's doing the right thing. And similarly, I've just been reading The Hunger Games. I don't know if any of you have read that. It's an excellent book, and the premise of that is that there, it's a dystopian society where the big event of the year is a reality TV show where 24 teenagers are put into a wilderness and have to kill each other until only one is left. And the heroine survives. She's in there with a friend, and she f survives essentially by pretending to be in love with him and through a, even though she's really not. And that saves both their lives. So again, she's being very untrue to herself. It's not merely that she's telling lies, but in a fundamental sense, she's being untrue to herself. Mm -hmm. But again, you come away with the feeling that she's done the right thing. So yeah, I just I wonder if you have any reaction to the, it, and it seems to me that the common theme there is that if you're dealing with other people whose goodwill you can assume, then yes, absolutely, there's, I think, an absolutist argument for truth. Mm -hmm. When you're in a hostile situation, I think the problem of becoming, of being true to yourself and authentic becomes a much more complica complicated balancing act. Yes, absolutely. And I, I would suggest in your, in your second um, example that 
to pretend to be in love with someone for the sake of saving people and doing it with awareness would not, in, in my view, be being out of integrity with oneself. If, if one was not aware of what one was doing, um, if, if we pretended to be in love for some gain or something, that's, that's a different story. But knowingly doing something um, to save others, I think, would not be being out of integrity. Um, I'm not sure about the first one. You said uh, none of us is static, absolutely. <laughs> um, and we all have many different components, right? And you said keeping those in balance. Can you say it a little more? Well, yeah, I guess what, what, I'm, what I'm having trouble with is the metaphor of integrity and integer and one. Because uh -huh. I think we're not one. I think we're multifarious. And the examples that I gave suggest oh. that you might have a commitment to truth and you might have a commitment to justice, and those are both authentic parts of yourselves, and when you're put in a situation where those two things collide, as in the two examples I gave, mm. the, the thing to do with integrity is not to say, well, truth is the absolute, and that trumps everything else. The truth is the, 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 the integral thing to do is to be aware of the full situation, and make a wise choice about what's the right action in the broadest sense at that time. Yeah. And also be aware of the cost that you're incurring in sacrificing some piece of yourself, of what you believe in, because you think that at this moment there's another value that is greater. But it doesn't mean that that yeah. value is always greater, it means in the situation. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, with the one, I was thinking more in terms of wholeness rather than absolute one or static one. And, and yes, I think you're right. I think what we do is hold truthfulness as, as sacred, as so important to us. And then, as you suggest, when confronted with situations where we have to make choices, the choice comes out of that. It's not willy-nilly, it's not unclear and thought out. It is, you know, um, our best choice within a difficult situation, yeah. Thank you for this talk today. Um, the topic of integrity and authenticity means a lot to me. Mm. Um, I, just a couple of thoughts, maybe in response to some things that came up. Um, it seems that um, when confronted with somebody who's putting you on the spot, asking for your feedback, and not wanting to uh, hurt their feelings, um, another option would be to say, I'd prefer not to respond to that right now. And that way, you're not diverting anything you're being straight and authentic, that this is maybe not something I want to talk about now, or maybe it's something I prefer not to respond to. And 
And um, also with the idea of, uh, I mean, those are pretty intense examples, um, and, and I think they, they rise a good point. Uh, it just makes me think um, perhaps that's exactly why we should meditate more on what are our options sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it seems like there's, you know, in a movie, you know, there might be presented with there's just two options. And in real life, there's many. Mm -hmm. And to, if you have that opportunity to meditate on it and be open, maybe more options will come to you that can still be truthful and authentic. Maybe not. I mean, if mm -hmm. it's a life and death situation, you know, mm -hmm. but if, like you said, if you've been living your life mindfully, it's possible those other options may come to you. Yes, yes, right, right. Well, I think we probably should stop. I'm happy to stay around if there are more thoughts. And thank you all for your attentiveness. <laughs>